Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. trust you. Um, please help us to know more about you and to love you more through um, this time tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so yeah, when God says he, he will go ahead of them to clear the nations out of the land, they must be destroyed completely, don't make a treaty, show no mercy. It sounds kind of not like the God we know, right? Like it's, it's quite challenging, which is correct. Um, I'm not going to talk a lot about that, but at Alive at Nine, I don't know if it happened here, but Richard Schumach gave a talk about why the conquest in Deuteronomy may not be immoral of God to do. Did he do that here? Yes. So do you remember any particular points? He gave eight points, and I find often that one or two really stand out for people and they remember them. Do you remember any points? Not to put anyone on the spot. What he said? Yeah, that it's warfare. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He also said it's a war genre, so it's going to be hyperbolic language, didn't he? Yeah, he said, you know, wipe them all out often, but then you see later they weren't actually wiped out, and that was okay. Like, so, you know, people like Rahab were still there. Yeah. Anything else you remember from it? I'll give you a summary. It was, I know. <laughs> Yes, evil has consequences, even on your children, it can have consequences, that's right, yep. Yeah, it's good to, yeah, it's good to overthrow evil empires, he mentioned Ukraine, yeah, great, I'll give you a summary of some of the others, he said every breath is from God, it's not like he decided to kill, but he decides to keep us alive every day, Um, what else? Death isn't the worst thing to happen to you. There's worse things that could happen. Um, that was a few of the things he said. Do we have the pictures? Ah, yeah, so speaking of some of the empires were evil, right? And it says um, later in Deuteronomy chapter 9 that they were wicked empires. And even sometime, in a different place it says that God waited until their evil had come to fullness before he, you know, invaded them. So, um Speaking of evil empires, <laughs> we used to live with the Raja people. This is a temple called the Debibari Temple that was just over the back of our house. Our house is just kind of over that way a little bit. And in this temple, for about 400 years, they used to do human sacrifices until about 100 years ago they stopped. And and how does that sound to us? That's pretty pretty bad, right? Like a child or something. Now they don't do human sacrifices, but they do still act it out. They get a dummy and they pretend to kill the, the dummy person to kind of keep the ritual going. Not all societies are, you know, good. There's, there's bad aspects of some societies. Um, God is saying that the nations here, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, well done reading all those, um, should be destroyed. But that word is a bit difficult to translate. It can also mean consecrated to God. 
Um, some translations put destroyed and consecrated to God as the translation of it. it. Imagine, you know, some things in the temple that God says, this must be burned up completely because it's for me. Like that kind of idea should be coming here. So we can understand it in both sense as well. So he says they must destroy, consecrate, show no mercy, don't intermarry. But the reason he gives for all these things, and it's mentioned three times in this passage, quite emphasized, is idolatry. So in verse um, 4, it says, um, you know, don't do all these things, for they will lead your children away from me to worship of other gods. And then the Lord will burn, the anger of the Lord will burn against you and he'll quickly destroy you. Verse 16, don't worship their gods or they'll trap you. And verse 25, it says, burn their idols in fire and don't even use the gold or silver or whatever they're made from. It must be detestable. God really hates idolatry. And I want to look at the question, if the idolatry is really what God's thinking in this passage is so bad, why is it so bad? Um, I want to tell you a story. When we do Bible translation, one of the things we do when we're checking is that we read the passage to someone who's never heard it before and they tell us back what they understood by it, you know, verse by verse or paragraph by paragraph. We were doing that one day with a guy called Kumar and we were doing the book of Revelation and obviously it mentions a wedding in that. And so, um, and in the breaks, the translator guys, they were talking to this non-Christian Hindu guy and, you know, explaining the gospel to him and he was really enthusiastic and he was, you know, almost becoming a Christian. But he came, <laughs> said to us one day, he said, I, I'd I think I'd like to be a Christian, but I have one question. This is really important. If I get become a Christian and if I get married, does my wife have to wear white? That was his big deal that he was dealing with. And what would you say? No, you don't have to wear white. Why? Because, you know, the physical stuff like that is not important, right? We know it's about your heart before God. It's about loving God, loving neighbor. That's the core of the Christian message, right? Um, so you can wear any color. He was very happy with that. But we had to, he said, well, what do I have to do if I'm a Christian? Or what do I, what can I not do? And we had to say, well, you can't worship idols anymore. That's still a non-negotiable. You cannot worship idols. Um, so that was good for him to hear. He had to think through that. Um, why is what idol worship so bad? I mean, of course, God wants us to worship him. He doesn't want to worship something else. Something else. Um, and a lot of sermons, they talk about, you know, we don't literally worship idols here, do we? Many of us, well, maybe some of us do. Do you know anybody that worships idols? Do you have any Hindu friends or family? Yeah, I mean, so maybe we do worship people. We do know people who worship idols. Um, but God hates it so much that it's worth separating his people from those people in the Old Testament. Um, I want to explore what is an idol. So let me tell you some we've lived in India obviously they famously it's not working is it gonna they famously worship 330 million gods 33 call, call gods this is the goddess Saraswati um, does anyone know what she represents or what you would typically pray to Saraswati no she's the goddess of wisdom music education you would ask for good exam results from her that's what everyone does you visit the temple for Saraswati ask for good exam results um, here she is. You can see her musical instrument and a swan there. This is Ganesh. This is actually just in a supermarket shelf. You can buy a little Ganesh idol. I did not buy one. Um, but Ganesh, does anyone know? He's the god of... 
Maybe so. I think it's wealth as well and things like that. So there's a, a number of things. So obviously uh, everyone wants a statue of Ganesh in their house because he's the god of wealth, um, little g-god. This is Kali. She's a god uh, kind of localised to the region that we lived in. She's the destroyer. I don't know if you can see, but she has a necklace with skulls all around her neck. And she's got her foot in Shiva's body there. So she's the destroyer and everyone kind of, she's the primary goddess in the place where we lived. And um, they would have festivals to each of these gods. And what they would do is that would, they would set up a pandal, which is a temporary temple. They'll set it up for a few weeks maybe and people will come and worship there and then they'll pull it all down. You can see it's made just of bamboo and cloth. There can be some quite big pandals. This is just a temporary structure, though it's like three or four stories high. Um, and that's what's inside that one. Here's another beautiful temporary structure. I think Wendy took this photo. <laughs> yeah, but they're temporary and the gods inside them are temporary as well. So you can be driving along the road. There will be a little store where a guy is making idols out of clay or whatever he makes them out of. They sell them, they buy them to put them in these pandals. And then when they're done with that festival, they'll pick up the god in, with, you know, lots of cheering and ceremony and throw it in the river. And uh, I asked someone, I said, do people really think this is a god? Because they can see it being made and they can see it being thrown in the river. Do they think it's a god? Because I'm thinking, how can, you know? And I was told, no, they don't think this is really a god. What they're doing is they're focusing their attention on this thing to the what they think is the real god behind it. So they're actually worshipping a you know, a non-physical being, but this is how they're doing it. Um, wait, where am I up to? Yes. So I was thinking if, if what they're doing is worshipping a non-physical God, why does God think it's so bad to, to worship idols? If you could, could you not say worship Jesus through looking at an idol maybe? And uh, I will answer that in a second. Um, I'll answer that by turning your attention to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Maybe you know that verse. Does anyone know it off by heart? In Genesis 1.27, it says, In the image of God he made them, male and female he made them. So this word image um, can mean a physical likeness, like a mirror. You know, we think of looking at ourselves in the mirror. But it can also mean the word for idol. So in Numbers chapter 33, it says, You must drive out all the people living there. You must destroy their carved and molten images. Like it's talking about idols. And you think... Uh, image like a reflection or a picture and an idol is it really the same thing doesn't seem like the same thing to us right um but it becomes more similar when you think of what it means to be the image of god nt wright says that humanity as images of god are like an angled mirror reflecting the creation to god and god to the creation of course it would be vertical but it's like people over here can see people over there right people over there can see people here so maybe your creation sorry guys and your God over there, congratulations. Um, <laughs> so that's what being in the image of God 
is like. And it is kind of similar to idols, right? Because they're kind of looking at this thing but trying to see some God behind it. Um, But have you noticed when God talks about idols, it's often connected to the phrase that idols can't see, they can't hear, they can't talk. You know, Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says that. Revelation 9, it says that. The reason it says that is because it's contrasting with the idols that God has put on earth, which is us. Like we are, in a sense, what people are to look to, to see what God is like behind us, Um, which is kind of an amazing thing. And if we then start making stuff ourselves from the creation and looking at it, then we're not seeing, we're not looking this way, we're looking back at, at the world that God's made. And we've disregarded the relationship that God has with us. So as humans, we should be looking at God, you know, to worship. We shouldn't be looking at the creation. But we can also see God through his, each other, through his idols in the sense. Not in the sense of Australian idol, in the sense of images, (laughs) reflections. I want to show you a picture. This is in Nepal. Has anyone been to this particular place in Nepal? (laughs) Do you know what it's called? Yeah, these are the Annapurnas. Yeah, is that what you said? This is a little, it's a small hill called Sarankot, which is on the plains, but it's this little hill that pops up. And when you come over the crest of this hill, you can see this amazing vista of the Himalayas there. And what I think is interesting in this picture, you see on the left there, there's a little shrine with a little idol in it. And I think, man, what a poor representation of the God who can make these mountains who's made these, they've got this little clay thing with a kind of probably dirty idol in there, you know. When God has already put his idols on earth, which is, you know, there's five of them there that represent him much better than a statue can because they can hear, they can speak, they can talk. Interesting though, you know, if you worship an idol that can't speak or do anything, it can't rebuke you, it can't guide you, it can't correct you. But gee, humans can, can't we? We can do that to each other. So, yeah, one reason that God doesn't want us to make idols is that the relationship between him and us is really special. And it says in this passage, it says that his people are his treasured, his special treasure. He's chosen them. He set his heart on them. He loves them. He doesn't want us looking at other stuff to worship other things. He wants us to look at him and Jesus and his people. Um, Okay, so that's my main point, that we are his idols. But to do with that, I want to talk about one thing we shouldn't do, one thing we should do, and one thing we don't need to do anymore. So one thing we shouldn't do is that we, I might be saying we, we are idols, but we should definitely not idolize other people, right? We shouldn't put them in the place of God. Um, you know, what we do when we idolize people, we put them on a pedestal, we think they're wonderful, but then if they do the little thing wrong, we think they're terrible and we ignore them, you know. Both of those things are not good. We should always be looking at people and saying, you are reflecting God to me in some ways and I'm thankful to that, but there's some ways about you that are broken or sinful or distorted or something like that. We're a bit like a broken mirror, aren't we? We should be a mirror, but we're a bit of a broken mirror. We can see some true things about God through each other, but there's some things that aren't there or some things that are wrong. Um, So that's one thing we shouldn't do. What should we do? Um, Since people are kind of a window into seeing some aspects of what God is like, we can reflect God's character. It means that people are valuable, so we should value, value people. 
means we can learn things from each other. We can show each other what God is like. And since we can look at each other and see aspects of God, I want to just suggest that maybe in the week ahead, as you interact with others, just look for and acknowledge the things that show God to you. Maybe someone brings you joy. That's wonderful. Praise God for that. Maybe they're super creative. Maybe they speak truth boldly. Maybe they're very patient. Maybe they're very kind or lots of other ways they could reflect God. Just look for it and acknowledge that. Um, What do we not need to do anymore? Well, in the days of Deuteronomy, God wanted his people to be kept separate, right? Because there was a risk that they would fall to worshipping idols, as they had done in the past. So he wanted people to be separate, to be kept holy. But we don't need to do that anymore. In fact, God has said we need to go out into the world and live with people um, and... I'm glad because I spent many years in India, so <laughs> I'm glad that that's, um, that's what we can do. And the reason why we can do that is because of God's true image. In Colossians 1, Jesus is the image of God. He has come and he's given us his Holy Spirit, so we have the power to not fall for those idols. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't find them attractive. When I know what Jesus has done, I see him at work in all of us. There's no reason to worship idols. Um, it just doesn't seem to be attractive anymore and the way we fight evil has changed too we don't need to go to war maybe we don't need to go to culture wars we just fight against the spiritual powers not against the people anymore Um, so we can praise God for that as well so I just want to pray as we think about this and then I'll close dear Lord we just thank you so much that you are holy and that you can Um, you can do what you like, but you have been so good to us in Jesus. You've been so good to us with your Holy Spirit. You've been so good to us in creation as well and how we can see you through that as well. And Lord, we ask you this week, help us to look to other people to see aspects of you. Help us to read your word to see aspects of you, especially how we see Jesus. And we just pray that you would be working in us by your Holy Spirit. Um, so that we can witness to your goodness and to your character. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.